Hello, and welcome to Sonoran Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast, The Gun Rack. Hello, and welcome to The Gun Rack, Sonoran Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey, and today with me, I have one Drew. Popcorn threw me off there. There we go. See, I wanted to, you're starting to learn, so I have to change it on you. Always be on your toes, rule number one of marketing. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Back to your turnips. <laughs> so we're excited to have you guys with us today. We will not be talking about, uh, although we hope you consumed some shamrock shakes, I would imagine that they are off the market at this point, but maybe mm. not. It's the 21st. We will see. But here's what we do have as I throw my pen around the room, trying to catch it uh, for you guys, as promised. This is a little bit more of a serious episode, but we're very excited to share it with you. As you guys know, Medal of Honor Day is March 25th. And if you didn't know, now you do. We are so excited to have the opportunity with SDI to have a platform to share these amazing stories with you guys. SDI loves its veterans. We even have a department of uh, military and veterans services. We love our history. Uh, if you've not listened to our history episodes in the past, feel free to scroll through our feed. There are loads of them, and we would love to share those with you as well, uh, including a recent one about George Washington published last month. This is the compilation of the two and an opportunity to acknowledge some bona fide heroes. We have four on the docket today, thanks to Drew's incredible research prowess. But before we get into it, Drew Poplin is on the clues. Drew's clues. We're going to go into our trivia uh, question and answer. The name that gun. Yes, sir, we will. And uh, last week's answer, for those who didn't know, was the Nagant M1895. But this week, we have clue number one. This is a lever action repeating rifle. Clue number two, and this will quite honestly probably already give it away, but it has been referred to as the gun that won the West. And number three, one model of it is on display at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. What is it? I think it's clicking in your brain. Let us know. Joey, let's go on to our main topic today. And I just want to reiterate what you said in the intro. We are so excited and so honored to be able to tell these stories and be able to share them with you guys. I am stoked. Absolutely. Drew and I both work in the content marketing department, as I've mentioned on the show before. And uh, one thing Drew and I both believe very firmly is that content marketing, for whatever else it is, the main focus is the ability and honor it is to tell other people's stories. The easiest way to market anything to anyone is to be able to tell the stories of those that you've connected with, that you've helped succeed with, and people that you have helped to empower to realize their dreams. Obviously, uh, with Medal of Honor stories, it's not our purpose to generate leads. This is just to share some history with you guys. Right now, we're just gonna take some time to honor uh, these heroes. One more thing before we get into the stories proper, there is a series that I've referenced before 
on Netflix. I believe it's simply called Medal of Honor. And it chronicles the stories of several Medal of Honor winners. It is decidedly not PG, as you would imagine. This deals with very real things, and there are some reenactments involved. And uh, obviously, people are going to use adult language in very adult situations, such as the battlefield. So I come with that disclaimer because SDI is more of a family-friendly podcast. Or excuse me, the gun rack is more of a family-friendly podcast. SDI (laughs) is a family-friendly school. But... A personal recommendation, if you are comfortable with TVMA ratings, Medal of Honor on Netflix, you can learn about more stories there. But let's get into some of the stories we can share here. I think I'm up with the first one. This is about Fireman First Class Robert Penn from the Spanish-American War. And actually, before we do that, let's acknowledge our sources for this one. Drew, could you do that? Yes, absolutely. So for all of these, the main source I used for, you know, a lot of like where they were born and, you know, the citations themselves, that actually comes directly from the Congressional Medal of Honor site. And if you're wanting to take a look at that yourself, you can go to www.cmohs.org. Uh, that's Congressional Medal of Honor Society. So cmohs.org uh, is our primary source for all of these. Granted, we also have, you know, we're doing four stories. So a lot of these are coming from a couple different sources. Yes. So whenever we hit a new, as our kind of research lore master for this one, if we ever hit a place with a different sourcing, or a different quote that I happen to miss, please feel free to interject. We always want to make sure that we're acknowledging our sources as we report this stuff to you guys and share these stories. So this is about Fireman First Class Robert Penn, who served during the Spanish-American War. Robert was born in City Point, Virginia in 1872. He served during the Spanish-American War on the USS Iowa as a fireman. The USS Iowa was a pre-dreadnought battleship, and uh, on July 3rd, 1898, the ship was in the middle of its blockade when it got into a battle with a Spanish ship. This kicked off the Battle of Santiago de Cuba, which resulted in a victory for the Americans. On July 16th, the Spanish garrison at Santiago de Cuba surrendered. Four days later, something happened that would change Penn's life forever. The citation reads... On board the USS Iowa, off Santiago de Cuba, 20th July, 1898. Performing his duty at the risk of serious scalding at the time of the blowing out of the manhole gasket on board the vessel, Penn hauled the fire while standing on a board thrown across a coal bucket one foot above the boiling water, which was still blowing from the boiler. So the boiler on a ship is very important to the ship's internal system. Well, it certainly was then. So ships obviously used to be steam-powered, right? It's not exactly the same as a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier today. But even today, they still serve a function. However, one thing that many crew members fear is something going wrong with the boiler because it can catch fire, it can burn you with steam, it can spray harmful chemicals, or it can even explode. In this instance, though, the boiler on the ship had a manhole gasket blowout. This caused boiling water to be shot out and about. 
So now the boiler room, uh, boiler room had boiling water all over the floor and it was rising. This was not a problem that you could just kind of let take care of itself. Uh, if the boiler exploded, then the results would have been catastrophic. So the crew set a board across a bucket and fireman second class Robert Penn climbed across to shut off the boiler, risking being badly burned. Now, if you can <laughs> uh, imagine the distance separating you uh, from becoming Freddy Krueger is the length of a sub and not one of those eight inch subs they say is a <laughs> foot long sub, but an honest to goodness sub, but not one of those special subs. It's like 20 feet long for eight people, a normal sub. It's a weird soapbox to get on, but you understand what I'm saying. That's what he braved to save the ship and the people around him. Now, one of the things that's that's so compelling about this story, there's probably ones out there that employ flashier stories, right? That some of these citations are, I mean, really kind of absurd. And mm -hmm. this one is certainly heroic. I don't think anyone would question that, but it's more uh, mainline in terms of uh, just kind of general amazingness. But what this one does better than a lot of them is show kind of a little bit of military representation. Not a lot of Medal of Honor winners are firemen, even if they're firemen in the military, which is obviously a requisite for obtaining this incredible award. But there's a chance here to tell the story of an honest-to-goodness fireman instead of some of the even flashier things. So we get to celebrate someone who maybe isn't uh, even celebrated on this day, maybe as much as, as he should be. Drew, what do you got for the next one? All right. So this next one is Sergeant Joseph P. Atkinson. Um, and uh, he fought during World War I. Atkinson was born in 1892 in Tennessee. He entered the Army in 1917. Only a year later, he would be fighting in France during World War I. So where this takes place, it was near Bellecourt, uh, which is northern France. And this takes place on September 29, 1918. Pretty much Atkinson, who, again, was a sergeant, he found himself in his platoon pinned down by heavy German machine gun fire. And his citation reads as follows. When murderous machine gun fire at a range of 50 yards had made it impossible for his platoon to advance and had caused the platoon to take cover, Sergeant Atkinson alone, with the greatest intrepidity, rushed across the 50 yards of open ground directly into the face of hostile machine gun, kicked the gun from the parapet into the enemy trench, and at the point of the bayonet captured the three men manning the gun. The gallantry and quick decision of the soldier enabled the platoon to resume its advance. So I want you to put yourself in the position where you're taking cover from heavy machine gun fire. It's 50 yards away, so half a football field. You're not sure what to do. You're pinned down. You can't go anywhere. And then all of a sudden, the guy next to you essentially says, screw this, stands up, runs by himself. He runs half a football field, which I can only imagine how fast this guy's 40 time was. And so this guy, he just runs straight towards the enemy machine gun who's firing at him. 
he kicks over the machine gun and then he is still able to manage to capture the enemy soldiers with a bayonet. So after this moment, he actually survived the rest of the war and he didn't die until 1965. Uh, One last note on him, though. During World War I, there were six soldiers from Tennessee that received the Medal of Honor. He was one of six of them. Another one of the six might be a name you're familiar with. Alvin York. I don't know. I think there's something in the at Smoky Mountain Water uh, that just makes great soldiers and brave men um, and subpar football teams. Yeah. Hey, I like the Titans. They are my I was third about, favorite I, I, team in football. Man, I was talking about the volunteers. I don't know. What... Oh. <laughs> also, okay, your funny. third favorite football team. Like, that's some sort of compliment. It is. I spend a lot of time on football, people. The first being the Panthers, who frequently run out on me. And the <laughs> Patriots, who I love almost as much, which excuses the Panthers running out on me. We should probably do a standalone special special um, for special. Alvin York, though. Yeah, I'm um, kind of surprised we haven't yet. I am, too. I don't know how I missed that. Maybe yeah, it just seemed should. too obvious. Yeah, we should do that. I'm going to write it down. So number three is going to be me. We're going to be talking about Sergeant slash Sergeant Major Matthew O. Williams, who served during the war on terrorism uh, in Afghanistan. Williams was born October 3rd, 1981 in Bern, Texas, B-O-E-R-N-E. Hoping I pronounced that correctly. He obtained a bachelor's degree in criminal justice at Angelo State University because he initially wanted to be a detective or work for the FBI when he grew up, which is actually really cool. After 9-11, Williams considered how he could serve his country. After researching special forces programs, he joined the U.S. Army in September 2005. Now, this is the direct citation. And uh, when, when I was talking about kind of lengthy, more uh, cinema, cinema, what is the word? Cinemagraphic? Cinema, cinematic. Cinematic. I know words. Uh, citations. This would be one of those. So buckle up. It's actually really cool. This is a direct quote, I believe. Drew, correct me if I'm wrong. Sergeant Matthew O. Williams distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty on April 6th, 2008. While serving as a weapons sergeant, Special Forces Operational Detachment Alpha 3336, Special Operations Task Force 33, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Sergeant Williams was part of an assault element inserted by helicopter into a location in Afghanistan. As the assault element was moving up a mountain towards its objective, it was engaged by intense enemy machine gun, sniper, and rocket-propelled grenade fire. The lead portion of the assault element, which included the ground commander, sustained several casualties and became pinned down on the sheer mountainside. Sergeant Williams, upon hearing that the lead element has sustained casualties and was in danger of being overrun, braved intense enemy fire to lead a counterattack across the valley of ice-covered boulders in a fast-moving, ice-cold, waist-deep river. Under withering fire, Sergeant Williams and his local national commandos fought up the terraced mountainside to the besieged element. Arriving at the lead element's position, 
Sergeant Williams arrayed his Afghan commandos to provide suppressive fire, which kept the insurgent fighters from overrunning the position. When the team sergeant was wounded, Sergeant Williams braved enemy fire once again to provide buddy aid and to move the team sergeant down the sheer mountainside to the casualty collection point. Sergeant Williams then fought and climbed his way back up to the mountainside to help defend and lead assault element that still had several serious casualties in need of evacuation. Sergeant Williams directed suppressive fire and exposed himself to enemy fire in order to reestablish the team's critical satellite radio communications. He then assisted in moving the wounded down the near vertical mountainside to the casualty collection point. Noting that the collection point was about to be overrun by enemy fighters, Sergeant Williams led the Afghan commandos in a counterattack that lasted for several hours. When helicopters arrived to evacuate the wounded, Sergeant Williams again exposed himself to enemy fire, carrying and loading casualties onto the helicopters while continuing to direct commando firepower to suppress numerous insurgent positions. His actions enabled the patrol to evacuate wounded and dead comrades without further casualties. Sergeant Williams' complete disregard for his own safety and his concern for the safety of his teammates ensured the survival of four critically wounded soldiers and prevented the lead element of the assault force from being overrun by the enemy. Sergeant Williams' actions are in keeping with the finest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force Afghanistan, Special Operations Command Central, and the United States Army. One more thing. I mean, that really tells the whole story, so I'm just going to add this one piece here. (laughs) He and his team, just 12 Green Berets and around 100 Afghan commandos, were engaged by 200 enemy soldiers. Um, it's just really intense. I don't, I don't want to analyze it really any further than that because I feel like it speaks for itself. What an amazing story, though, Drew. We've got one more, and I believe he is a mm-hmm. Korean War vet. Can you tell us about him? Absolutely. This is the story of Corporal Joe R. Baldonado, and yes, you are correct. He uh, was in the Korean War. Baldonado was born the son of Mexican migrant workers in 1930 in Colorado. And during the Korean War, he joined the U.S. Army as a light weapons infantryman. To quote the citation, Corporal Joe R. Baldonado distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty while serving as an acting machine gunner in the 3rd Squad, 2nd Platoon, Company B, 187th Airborne Infantry Regiment during combat operations against an armed enemy in Kangdong, Korea, on November 25, 1950. On that morning, the enemy launched a strong attack in an effort to seize the hill occupied by Corporal Baldonado and his company. The platoon had expended most of its ammunition in repelling the enemy attack, and the platoon leader decided to commit his third squad with its supply of ammunition in the defensive action. Since there was no time to dig in because of the proximity of the enemy, who had advanced to within 25 yards of the platoon position, Captain Baldonado emplaced his weapon in an exposed position and delivered a withering stream of fire on the advancing enemy, causing them to fall back in disorder. The enemy then concentrated all their fire on Corporal Baldonado's gun and attempted to knock it out by rushing the position in small groups and hurling hand grenades. 
Several times grenades exploded extremely close to Corporal Baldonado, but it failed to interrupt his continuous firing. The hostile troops made repeated attempts to storm his position and were driven back each time with appalling casualties. The enemy finally withdrew after making a final assault on Corporal Baldonado's position, during which a grenade landed near his gun, killing him instantly. Corporal Baldonado's extraordinary heroism and selflessness at the cost of his own life, above and beyond the call of duty, are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the United States Army. What's a little sad is he actually was not awarded the Medal of Honor until March 18th of 2014 uh, by President Obama. And I do want to give credit to honorstates.org and militaryhistoryfandom.com for this tidbit of information. The award actually came through the Defense Authorization Act, uh, which called for a review of Jewish American and Hispanic American veterans from World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War to ensure that no prejudice was shown to those deserving the Medal of Honor. Having read his story, I think it's without question that he absolutely deserved it. Yeah, um, I think he earned it um, 100%, and I am so glad that we had the chance to include him here today. So, folks, that is our Medal of Honor portions from today. Keep an eye out. We have two, I just added one, about Medal of Honor winners that I think we're just going to toss in to the rest of the just kind of over the course of the year. Um, one of them will be about the incredible Alvin York. The second one will be about Ty M. Carter, who is a U.S. Army specialist who won two Medals of Honor, um, okay. which I legitimately did not even know was a thing. So keep an eye out for those. We will definitely be punching those up. Those will be coming to a podcast near you. Absolutely. And also take a look at our website, uh, sdi.edu. We should have some, a couple of articles actually about uh, some other Medal of Honor recipients. So if you want some more stories and you can't wait for us to get into more of them here on the podcast, uh, definitely recommend you go check those out on the website. Yep. If you go to sdi.edu, they're under the news tab. Uh, By that point, we will have multiple blog posts published on the topic on top of this. Uh, We also have some from the past. Uh, If you want to go digging through our archives that you can find, there's a category called military and history, and uh, you will find them there. Uh, Lucian Adams is, I think, the first one I see. Uh, By the time this is published, there will be more. So keep an eye out for that. Very excited for you guys to check those stories out. Um, also, if you wish to know more about Sonora Desert Institute and its programs, feel free to check out the rest of our website, including uh, kind of how it works under the admissions tab and our, our associates of science and farms technology degree, our certificate in farms technology gunsmithing, and even not necessarily relevant to the gun rack, but relevant to SDI, the certificate in unmanned technology aerial systems. So for now, that's going to wrap up our Medal of Honor quest. But now we progress to Tales, Tales from the Range. What do you got? All right. So this is yet another uh, SIG Talk 
um, entry. This time it's not by Mo Rivera. This is a story from Knight Squire. To quote him, I was invited to shoot an M1 Garand and didn't think twice. But maybe I should have, because I cannot believe how loud that thing can get. I fired blanks before from the Grand, but maybe it was different environments. Anyway, it was loud and a bit scary that I could maybe poke a hole through the massive 20-foot-thick berm with that M1. I know it's not possible, uh, but it felt like it could be possible. Anyway, after a few shots at 100 yards, I got up and looked at the binoculars to see my shots to be honest, I wasn't exactly always aiming at the center bullseye. I was using the smaller bullseye on either side as well. But I didn't tell anyone that's what I was doing. I will admit I wasn't very accurate, but I was happy with my first few shots with the M1. And um, if this isn't just like a good friend to uh, come along and say something like this, my buddy then looks through the binoculars and declares loud enough for the entire line to hear, well, at least you scared him pretty good. Absolutely Unquote. roasted. Step one, you know. shoot the greatest battle implement ever devised, according to Patton. Step two, uh, miss with the greatest battle implement ever devised, according to Patton. I think it's Patton anyway. Step three, profit. <laughs> yeah, was he saying he was... Um... No, 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 never mind. I, I read that totally wrong. Not the story. For a split second, I thought he was saying he was shooting at the berm itself. I mean, the berm's behind it, I would hope, but yeah. Well, I hope he wouldn't be aiming at it. No, I mean, I'd rather him be shooting at a target, but you never know. Um, <laughs> you never know. I, I mean, I've shot directly into a berm before because it's enormously fun within, you know, safe range constraints, but yeah. For now, everyone, that's going to be the gun rack. Uh, we will see you next week when we talk about the top five guns from 2021, according to Mr. Guns and Gear. Have fun out there. Stay safe. We'll see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school located at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. Accredited by the DEAC. For more information, please call 800-336-8939 or visit sbi.edu.